0: Welcome to Doing the Work, the Frontline Stories of Social Change, where we bring you stories of real people working to address real issues. I am your host, Shimon Cohen. In this episode, I talk with Keno Walker, who is a youth organizer at PowerU Center for Social Change in Miami, Florida. Kino is from Liberty City and has been involved with Power U since he was thirteen. He's now twenty three. We discuss Kino's work to organize black and brown youth around issues impacting their community, such as the school to prison pipeline. Kino gives a firsthand account of the crushing impact of racism and poverty on marginalized communities. He shares his story of how he got involved with Power U and his evolution in becoming an organizer. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Kino, thanks for coming on, doing the work. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. And just to get us started off, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you do at Power U. Okay, so I'm a youth
1: organizer. Um, I've been a youth organizer for the past two years. Um, and I am I am growing and developing young, young black and brown students to be thinking about self to be thinking about the issues and what's what they're facing, that gets them um, that gets them to get their parents, this the um, their friends, their teachers, and the great community involved, um, in a way that like they're taking leadership and organizing these folks to be moving uh, moving in a direction that actually fits and look like what this what the school I mean what the community wants within the school, which ultimately um, pushes into the community. So. Right now, we're tackling this on different fronts. But the one I'm working on is um, um, we have a committee that we started called um, Divest from Police Invest into Schools, DPIS, um, which allows us to go into schools, meet with teachers, meet with students. And teachers and students are having meetings, talking about funding, talking about right now there's a $22 million budget that I'll Our commissioners are putting into for police officers 103 new 103 are police officers um, for the 2018 I mean, 2019 2020 um, school year. And we want that to like not even be nowhere near finished right now. It's only in the physical feasibility test on testing right now. But we're trying to figure out how do we create a win by stopping that um, that allows young people teachers to like actually envision what that money should go towards on um, a lot of and like right now a lot of a lot of uh, um people are talking about how mental health is a big issue and what does trust counselors and higher pay wages for teachers look like and like and like why do we have officers within our schools when they're really not useful or there's no purpose for them to be there
0: so how you know that's a lot that you're taking on and it sounds really interesting. And we're going to get into a little bit of that, um, in a minute. I just, I'm curious, you know, you were telling me earlier, um, that you got involved at, when you were 13 years old and you've been involved for 10 years now. How, how did you first get involved and, and how, how is your kind of like training in being able to do this evolved over the years?
1: So my story is like a lot of other youth story, um and then it's funny, but it actually starts to get really serious. Um, so I got involved because I had nothing else to do. Um, I was always at the house. My best friend he told me about Power U, and I met um the organizer at the time, which was the very first organizer, Julia Daniels, and she got my mom to buy into it. And like I went. Um, the first month we was going over um restorative justice, which is the alternative. To the school to prison pipeline and we went through a whole training meeting other young people and like just getting me to buy into like this whole idea or this whole framework of like not suspending young young black black and brown students and and why is it important to keep them uh, within the school without ex- uh, without exiling them because of like the harmful effect that happens and that actually um pushes students from school to prison and I was like, yeah, I was all for it. Um, I got super excited. And then I went to my very first school board meeting. And when I went there, it was the worst thing ever. Our school board members, they didn't care what we said. They wasn't paying us no attention. Some of them was on the phone. Some of them was eating. Some of them left. And then when we asked them to put restorative justice within our schools or at least start looking for funding to put restorative justice in within our schools, they told us No. And I just, from that like, frustration, aggravation, all this work that I put in, and me, me believing that the education system was actually for us, it definitely um, it agitated me to want to be more involved in Power U. And, like, from then on, I was like, I'm a part of Power U. I'm a part of Power U. And, and what kept me engaged and what kept me, my what my knowledge look like what my education looked like within Power U. We went to the the US social forum that was in Detroit around that time. Um going there, meeting a whole lot of other young people that was talking about the same thing that was happening within my city, that was happening in their city, and just building with them. Um then our for the summer power you does this thing called College of Leadership, which which allows us to um, learn about Uh, racism, homophobia, helps us learn about um, you know, um, gentrification, all these social issues that we're facing, that black and brown students face on a daily basis, but we do not know the name of it, and we don't know how to call it out, because it's so normalized. Being suspended out of school for 10 days is so normal. Going to jail is so normal. Seeing police officers in your class is so normal that like, we don't, we don't, we don't confront it or check it because we don't know the name and it's so normal to us that like, this is like a everyday thing to us. Right. Um, and when, when I was a youth, I, and then like from the, from going to social forum to going to college and leadership, then I got an opportunity to go to, um, this, this camping, um, retreat type of training called, um, that was held at the Highlander, um, the Highlander Center for um, Research, and this, and they dive really good into like just other social social work that um, people are doing. Like, um, people in Texas are doing a lot of immigration work, or like um, the um, people people from North Carolina are doing a lot of um, uh, democracy working, like domestic workers work, um, and just being a part being a part of that and like being in struggle with people. It was like, and like also just seeing how cool these people are, how beautiful these people are. And I'm like, yo, I want to be just like them. So like, and like when I first started, I didn't know the language. I didn't know how to talk the language. I didn't know how to speak the language. And I didn't know how to do the actions either. Right. So after a while, just like trying to like really catch, catch up and be on the same page as some people that I just met that I thought was, flipping amazing. I'm like, yo, these young people are amazing. I want to be just like them. Um, and I, like, I just grew from there, like from 13 year old, from a 13 year old to 23, Like just like understanding that, like the only way I can create change is by changing myself. So how do I not hold patriarchy? How do I not hold homophobia? How do I, um, how do I like be able to talk about gentrification? and different things like that within my own my own home to also bring it out into the community.
0: What is that like when you're, I guess before, I mean, I know now you're not in high school, obviously, and you're not, you know, you're going in to organize, but what was that like when you were still in school and you're learning all these things? And like you said, before it was normal, but you didn't have words to put to it, right? now you're going into the school and you've got the words. What was that like with the other students? What was the response like? This is not the first
1: time I have been asked this question because everybody, like when I'm, I'm an organizer and I organize young people, and so people at my job or people around me, like how do you, like what's the difference from when you use the youth and then what's the difference from these guys now? And like, my thing was technology wasn't, like we had cell phones and stuff, but it wasn't as as popping as it is now right? Um, and also that, like, they going through things, and while I was, like, me being an and me like, trying to, like, trying to bridge this connection, it was clicking for me, but it wasn't clicking for everybody else, right? And it's only because of the fact that, like, it's so normalized that, like, it, like, when, when you, when, you know, I, I um, I'm trying to figure out how to talk about it. Because it's it's even a problem until today is that, like, I can go talk to young people and, like, try to get them to be plugged in, but people are not trying to hear it just because of poverty and, like, the situations that they live in. Like, you know, my mom, I had my mom and, like, she took care of me. And, like, I didn't really, like, I didn't really need a lot of other stuff, so I had a lot of free time on my hand while well, there's kids that don't have the opportunity to have their mom around. Or going through stuff that's even worse than me, or already have been touched by the uh, juvenile system, right? So it's um it was difficult to get other people involved, but we did our best. And I think what was super important that we that we did was um throughout my my childhood of being empower you, we did a lot of surveying, in which we came out with um a comic book that talked about the school defensive pipeline which also um, showed show that like um, black students are three times more likely to be suspended suspended and arrested than white students, while Latin next folks are two times two, um, 2.5 times more likely, right? I think that was our way to plug in or that was my way to try to plug in young people that, that like was going to school with me or like my little brother or my friends. Or whoever whoever I could, um, but I think the most effective way was just a lot of my um, my close friends. Like right now, it's like me, my best friend, um, and like like six of my close friends are still a part of Power U. Even though we're I'm 23, I'm the oldest out of all of them. It's 23, 22, 21, 20, 19. We're all still a part of Power U. We all still hold these same practices and principles. And we still talk about the same these same um, social problems, even though like you know some of them are um, sous chefs, or some of them are like running food for restaurants, or some of them are like working at the football stadium. We're we're all like doing like like I'm the only youth organizer for right now, but like we're all like doing different things, but we also have these practices and principles that we that we learn from um, from Power you that we're like still talking about and still trying to be in discussions with people about and not like allowing people just to like run over us and like or like try to like push us into these systems.
0: So one of the things I know that they you all do at Power U is you talk about how to build power, right? And and to, mm-hmm. to advance different um agendas. Mm-hmm. Some of what you're talking about is when you're coming from a place where you don't feel like you have any power and then you start Learning different ways to build power, it can it can feel empowering, right? But how? So how do you build power? How have you been able to get get some of these campaigns? You know, be have some of these campaigns be effective?
1: When I was young, and uh, when I was inside of you, we we didn't have we didn't have victories until later on. Like the restored justice victory. What, I, I started when I was 13 and I didn't get it into 2015, right? So from 2008 to all the way to 2015, that's a long, like, you know, that's a long hole to wait. Um, and the way we, ch- we created this power or tried to, we, we're, um, we're trying to build power is we're not only engaging young people, we're getting teachers involved. We're getting parents involved we get getting administration involved where we're going to talk to our commissioners and not really as a, Oh, I'm, I'm talking to you because I'm going to bash you because, or I'm going to attack you because you're not doing your job, but more of like, what do we need to be doing? So what do we need to do as community? So you could give us what we need. Right. And that's how we're building power. So like right now we're doing a lot of civil engagement work that our young people are like getting paid to do canvas work. Um, and they go out into the communities And we have, like, six bullet points that, like, talks about um, comprehensive sex ed and, like, healthy sex, um, like, healthy um, sex courses that allow students to know not only about, um, not only about sex, but also about body autonomy, the word consent, what, what what it feels like to, like, know, talk about abortion and, like, to have that as an option because our young teenagers are not sure what's happening with their bodies and they are having sex. And, like, the more we tell them not to, that's not going to, like, make it happen. And then we have an overfluctuation of pregnant, pregnant teens or um, young men that, that, that are having babies and, like, they don't know what, what the heck to do about it, right? Also, we're talking, we're talking about mental health work. So there's a lot of students that are hurt and that have been hurting other people. And these are, like, different points that we have on our platform that allows people to like, okay, this is what I believe in. This is what I believe in. And this is how we're engaging our people. This is how we're engaging our community while, while educating, educating black and brown students within the school. Like right now I do um, school units within Edison and I go and talk to the teachers. I go and talk to students. We, we did some class reps at um, Monty High that like we're trying to get young people to be, from all walks, all walks, all, all religion, all orientation, sexual orientation, all ethnic to come and like really, like really dive in deep and like think about what change should look and feel like for, for people of minority and not only that, but also, um, people, people, um, of lower classes, poor people, because there's, there's a lot of, uh, where like, where like, um, adopting the idea of um, motion, race, um, like, unification. Like, there's, like, a lot of um, poor white folks that's, like, on the same page as us. How do we engage these guys, too, to create, to create a world, create a society or a community that actually fit in what we need? And I think our biggest way is, like, just trying to grab people and plug them in. And that's by education. That's by figuring out what the problem is to figure out what the um, what the need is for people or the demand and then how do we get these people as people or voters to start thinking about thinking about voting on more not on a national level but more on a local level to be moving our politicians out of a politician that that's not fit fitting our needs or or um giving us our needs to actually put more put people in power to get our needs if not, then like you know, that's, I think that's that's like where our new direction is, or where we where we're going towards.
0: For you, what's the biggest challenge of doing this work? I would say money or
1: funds and the time. Money and time also healing because our people are broken. Our people, our people are unknowing or unconsciously broken and not able or not willing to fight the fight because of because of money like poverty is a real thing like how can i expect somebody to come out and be in a, a 3 hour meeting when they have to work they have to work all day just to pay their bills right um mm-hmm. uh, pe- yeah people people are people are broken people need money and like it's it's um it's that's like the that's like the um the two big things for me that like that like really really sets sets people in and, and time too. Like, how can I um, how can I actually give people everything they need in a short amount of time when I only can have a two hour meeting with with young people or a two hour meeting with with teachers or a two hour meeting with uh, parents? And like and like and like things happen within their lives that like actually also like pushes them away away from. From what we're doing like if my if their little brother gets shot or they just lose they just lost their house or their car or like their kid just got suspended or arrested like these things also becomes like obstacles for them to like not only some people get more more scripting within the within the organization and a lot of people are just like damn like i can't do this and do that right um so those are three three major things that like actually hinders um that I feel like that are the challenging challenging things for me within getting people to be more um, more organized and then also like people um people have to be very clear and we as organizers have to be very clear that activism or activists are not organizers yeah like what you like you're you can who hoorah and like be all loud within like movements or within actions within within rallies and things or you know but if you're not really trying to break down or break down to a smaller level and like be and like creating real relationships with people and how do how do you can hold each other accountable to like create changes figure out self-interest not not um not in a way of not in a way of like trying to figure out like your own self-interest but Figuring out self-interest that intersects with other people' self-interest to get them more involved to be to be organizing or to be organized um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge.
0: And where do things stand with restorative justice right now? You know. So right now, yeah,
1: yeah. So right now, we have so-called one we won. They have been they have been doing pilot programs within two of the schools. That we know for sure, and then like trying to do something in some high school. So Brownsville Middle, they have um restorative justice, which I heard is very well off. Um, a close friend of mine is like, um, she goes there, and like she says they're doing really good within it, and then they have one in in Homestead, um, and then they're trying to do something in in high schools, but the restorative justice is not what we what we. Think it should look like, and like that's also a point that we that that we uh, tried to mention is that like we don't have clear wins. Like we, that's a win, but it's not like a authentic win that we can say that's like you know it's like it's a overall like this is gonna this is gonna um change something. And we also know that restorative justice isn't the in all be all either. There's so much other stuff that we have to tackle, but we definitely think our, um restorative justice. It's a part of our framework for our demands that allow us to create a real win for us. So we definitely need restorative justice, but it's not the end all be all. We need this to be in place. So allow us to hold people accountable while not exiling them so we can get mental health workers or we can get trust counselors or we can get extracurricular classes for our, our students or we get comprehensive sex ed classes for our young people. Which all these things, if you're learning within your school at a young age, this is like something that like, that you, um, you carry these principles and practices that you carry through, through when you get into the community and you get your job. So you go to college or whatever, you start your career, whatever it is, you still hold these principles and practices that, that allow you to better your community.
0: I'm going to link in the show notes on the podcast. I'm going to link to, you know, the Power You website so people can go there to learn more about everything you're talking about. A lot of the listeners of the podcast, you know, are social work students, educators, social workers. So this is kind of your opportunity. I want to just give you an opportunity to kind of reach out to the listeners and with whatever you want to get across, you know, use this as an opportunity to, you know, as a platform.
1: Okay, um, so I want to first off by saying that um, I appreciate that you guys are even getting into this work because it, it definitely takes a lot of mental, um, mental stability, and a lot of um, love and care for people. Um, and we also want—I also want to encourage you guys to also start thinking about what it looks like to like not only be a service but also. Think about how do we get to be more on um, on becoming on um, community um, community education education for community um, developers, right? So um, it's because it's a big thin line that you cannot cross, right? Um, when it comes to like um, mental health, to like how do to organize people people, especially when it comes to like funding. And grants and what you work at. So I really want you guys to be thinking about what is the connection and how do we bridge these two things, right? So not only thinking about yourself as service or like mental health workers, right, but also how we um, connecting this work to community. How are we connecting this work to the the systematic problems that's happening within our communities, right? And what is the real way? What is a real way to bridge these connections? How do we not only heal our people, but also um, engage them into a, um, into for our fight? And that's not like a physical fight, but more of a, a fight to like have their land, a fight to have their community, a fight to have what they need, the fight to have their resources. And uh, I think it is it is really hard. It is really hard to? to um to use up people. It's really easy to use up people, but it's really hard to replenish or rejuvenate people. And I think you guys do a really great job at like trying to find out what that looks like and like really um and really um show that you care. But also um our system that our system that we work in, that we live in isn't for us. It doesn't look like that us it doesn't look like us. And it um and it doesn't fit us. So how do we step out of this box? How do we step out of this system and really create something that that's going to look and feel like us? Um, and I want I want to I want you guys I want to see you guys at Power U. We have we have a lot of like our, a lot of our students go through different situations on a daily basis. That you know me as a yoga organizer that hasn't done social work or hasn't done any um therapy work or hasn't done any um mid to justice work other than the the the, um being able to identify what what these isms are or other than how to identify like what the um, social injustice are i think you guys um will play a big role in what we do within our community and just be super engaged and like be be um be be open to the idea of like like really engaging with it, with the community on more of a, um, a critical, but radical
0: level. That's great, Kino. I, I really, man, I really appreciate you coming on here, taking the time and for doing the work, you know, I mean, you're out there doing the work every day. Mm-hmm. What's next for you?
1: Um, so my idea is to, to keep working at PowerU as long as, you know, they need me, as long as I need to be there. But my objective is to be able to create a program that talks about healing, a holistic healing that like rejuvenates our our, um, our organizers or our young people that like that once to be organized or organizers have that our young people that's been organizing for a while because this takes a lot of sh- a lot of work and it definitely it definitely put a strain on our our um our ability to. Withstand, and we get overworked. We get burnt out, and all these different things. So, I want to create a um, create a um, a training um, which allows um, people to be rejuvenated, like you know. And doing that in the frame of art, how do we create an art piece? Which is if it's visual art, which is this dance, music, poetry, like whatever that looks like, whatever the art form looks like. How do we create this art piece? And understand what healing looked like to me, so I can always use this art piece or look at this art piece or dance this art piece or sing or say this art piece that allows me to be rejuvenated. I can like understand. I cannot. I cannot only understand what what my art piece means to me, but how it moves me to be to be back. Like you know how do how do it rejuvenates me to be where, where I need to be at. What I need to be doing, which also kind of funnels um, young, young black and brown students within, within um, from this art, this art, um, this art program to be funneled into like organizing movement. So that looks like I'm in, and I want to do this internationally. It's not like a local thing. I want to do this internationally. So I'm going around just teaching young people about healing within art. So if it's like, and I'm in, if I'm in Chicago, how am I like connecting? Connecting um, Chicago artists, Chicago organizers to help ho- help me um, fulfill this program for how long? The, how long it be? And then allow students to be plugged in within or, within organizations that actually um, is actually think, thinking about radical radical changes, right? So healing, but also funding, funneling young people um, into um, organizations. To think about what what uh, what it looks like to be um to be an organizer
0: that's cool and i hope if someone if some people are listening and that's something they're interested in because you know we have listeners all over the country and some international you know get in touch with kino i'm going to put his contact information in the notes in the show notes and you can reach out to him and uh kino again i want to just thank you for coming on the podcast and for doing the work yeah thank you so much guys Thank you for listening to Doing the Work, Frontline Stories of Social Change. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please follow on Twitter and leave positive reviews on iTunes. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who's doing great work, please get in touch. And thank you for doing real work to make this world a better place.